And truth be told, you would not have expected Jesus to be back either. None of us would have expected that if we were there in the first century uh, Jerusalem. The truth was no one was expecting this. This was a shock. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a complete surprise uh, to everyone. And that might be hard for us to understand because we are living, you know, later on in history and we can look back and we can see um, how important, I mean, the, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that that is the crux, that is the center, that is the linchpin, that, that is what our faith is all about. And so when we look back and when we read the stories, we know what's going to happen. We know that three days later, Jesus is going to come back to life. But if we were living back then, we never would have expected that. And so I, today I want to invite you to enter into these stories and we'll be reading one specific story from Luke um, in a little bit. But you might remember some of the other happenings uh, soon after Jesus came back to life. And you will remember that people were completely shocked. You know, it's not like uh, Peter and John and James, you know, they're, they're sitting around and, and Jesus appears to them and they're like, well, it's about time. You know, it's three days already. We knew you were going to do this. We just didn't know it would take this long. It wasn't like that. They were utterly shocked. In fact, they didn't even believe it when it first happened because they were not expecting this. And that's a little bit hard for us to grasp or to get our minds um, to, to, to really understand how that might have felt for them. Because if you remove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then everything is useless. Our whole faith just falls apart. As one person said, it's, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. And I'm, we're just doing entertainment. And I'm a magician, which I'm not. But if this is not true, then everything falls apart. Also, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, these are the four Gospels. And they have the story of Jesus Christ and his teachings and, and how he lived. And if you were to remove the birth story of Jesus Christ, and you know, Christmas is a big deal in our culture, but if you were to remove that from Matthew, you would lose two chapters out of 28. Um, Mark would essentially stay the same. Luke, you would lose another two chapters if you were to take out the birth story of Jesus Christ. And there's 24 chapters in Luke. John essentially stays the same. And so we wouldn't really lose that much if we were to take out the Christmas story. However, if you take out the story of Easter, if you remove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you lose the entire New Testament. Like it, everything falls apart. And so when we look back and when we try to enter into the story of these first believers, it's hard for us to imagine that they weren't expecting this. And they weren't. They were completely and utterly shocked. So let us enter into one of these stories today from Luke chapter 24. And let's begin reading here. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. You see, why did they take spices to the tomb? Um, Jesus was buried according to a particular Jewish tradition, which happens in two stages. And the first stage, you, you wrap the body very carefully in, in cloth and linen and, and with spices. Um, and then you, you lay the, the body in, in a tomb or in a, in a cave. And then once the body is decomposed, this is why the spices are there, right? To help with the smell. 
then uh, someone will go in and, and arrange the, gather the bones very neatly and put them into a, a bone box, uh, which is called an ossuary. And so they were doing this because they were not expecting that Jesus, they were expecting Jesus to be there, his body. And they waited a day because um, if you just, you know, you go back to the end of Luke chapter 23, the day before, that was the Sabbath. And so they were honoring their tradition and they were not working on the Sabbath. So the day later, they come with these spices. And you could see they were totally expecting to find Jesus' body. Let's keep reading. They, the women, found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. It wasn't there. You see, if, if people had um, made up this story, if people wanted to pretend or create the illusion that Jesus had actually risen from the dead, it would be um, very easy to disprove this. All you would have to do is, is show them, here's the body, like he's dead. And here, here's the box, the ossuary. Here's Jesus' bones. So, no, he did not come back to life. Here's proof. Now, not that long ago, there was a documentary that aired uh, in the 90s, and it was talking about this bone box, this ossuary that was found uh, in a cave, in, in a grave in Jerusalem. And on the box, uh, it said, Jesus. And in the, same, um, in the same room, they also found other bone boxes, other ossuaries with the name of Mary. And, and then there was another Mary and uh, Matthew oh, and Joseph. And so people were saying, this is proof, like what are the odds, you know, of, of all of these bone boxes being in the same cave, like this, we found Jesus' bones. Jesus did not come back to life, we have proof. Now, some of the people who were not, um, uh, what's the word, who were not convinced by this at all, were Israeli archeologists, because they knew that in first century Jerusalem, those names were extremely common. And so what are the odds that all of these bone boxes would be together? Well, pretty high. It's kind of like, uh, you know, we are here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and I did not grow up in Manitoba, but some of you did. And there are certain names that are just so common here. For example, uh, probably all of us know someone with the name of Friesen and uh, Weeb and Claussen and Penner, right? These are so common. And in fact, if you grew up in Manitoba and you traveled to another province, let's say maybe you go to uh, Toronto, and they find out that your last name is Friesen. So then immediately, they're, oh, you must be related to my friend, John Friesen. Because what are the chances? You're being from Manitoba and your last name is Friesen. He must be a relative of yours. And you're like, oh, there's, there's so many John Friesens. You know, I, I don't know. So that's kind of the situation with all of these names like Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus. And so it was very common. People weren't convinced. You know, um, I recently joined Facebook. It took a pandemic to get me back onto Facebook again. And uh, there's this one friend request that, it's not a request, but Facebook thinks we should be friends. And his name is uh, Scott Thiessen. I think, well, that sounds like someone I would know. And we have about 12 mutual friends. It seems like, you know, I know Scott Hildebrand. I know Roy Thiessen. I must know a Scott Thiessen, but I don't. But that, that's the kind, it's such a common name, right? And so, um, this box that was found is, is not Jesus' bones. It was very common to have all of these names, but it would be very easy. Just show us the body, show us the proof, show us, show us the bones of Jesus. It would be very easy to, to disprove um, 
that Jesus actually did come back to life. But let's just keep reading. Verse 24, verse 4. While these women were wondering about this, you know, they, they were wondering. It's not like they were like, oh, see, I, I, I told you, I knew he was going to come back to life again. That was not even part of their worldview. They were just like, what is, why is he not here? While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? What a strange question. Right? I mean, we're not looking for the living among the dead. We're looking for the dead among the dead. Right? Like the, Jesus is dead. So they say, no, they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. The exclamation point. Now, um, the exclamation mark is not part of the original manuscript. There's no punctuation um, in the original, no spaces. It was just like all, you know, continue. But people who are translating it obviously thought this deserves an exclamation mark. This is not, you know, inspired by God, but I think this is appropriate, right? So I probably should have said it differently. He is not here. He has risen to exclamation mark. That's what they're saying. Remember how he told you, remember how Jesus told you while he was still with you in Galilee. And the women would be like, what, what do you mean? What did he tell us? No, I, I don't. What? I don't remember. No, I don't. And then the, the men said, the son of man, see, these are in quotes. This is what Jesus told you in Galilee. You don't remember this? The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified. And on the third day, be raised again. Now this is, I'm not going to, I'm just going to read from um, earlier, Matthew chapter 17. If you want to look in your Bibles, it says, Matthew chapter 17, verse 22. When they came together in Galilee, okay, he said to them, this is Jesus, he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. So the women were part of that gathering when Jesus said this in Galilee. And so... After these men explained to him, don't you remember what Jesus said to you? You know, when you're all together in Galilee, then they remembered his words. Then they're like, oh yeah, he did say something like that. And several times Jesus had spoken about these things to his closest followers. There was another time where he talked about, um, he compared himself to the temple. He said, you destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it again in three days. And people are like, well, you can't do this. It would take decades to rebuild this. But Jesus was talking about his own body and himself. And they just didn't get it at the time. And there was another time too, where Jesus was, was saying these things, but finally the women were like, oh, now I remember. Yeah, he did say something like that. So when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11. Uh, this is uh, not the 12, this was, you know, Judas is no longer uh, by, this, by this point. So uh, the, he's, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was, this is who it was. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. I love, I love this. This is one part I love. Uh, one thing I love about Jesus. There are many things I love about Jesus. And one thing I love about Christianity is how they elevate the status of women. You see, if in the first century in Jerusalem, if you wanted to fabricate a story, 
If you wanted to um, make up a story that Jesus had come back to life or any story, you would never use women as the principal witness, as the principal testimony, because in those days, their status was so low, they, they couldn't even have, they had no say in court. Even, even there were certain parts uh, in Jerusalem where only men were allowed to go and the women weren't even allowed to enter these areas. The women were, were out with foreigners and with the Gentiles. And so, like, if you're going to make this up, like, you don't use in first century, you're not going to use women. These women, it says Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the others um, told this to the apostles. They were the very first preachers of the gospel. Jesus Christ died and came back to life again. So you would use people of high status if you wanted to fabricate this story. You, you, the story. This is just how it happened. They're just explaining, here's, here's the story and here's what happened. Um, in Luke chapter 8, verse 1, I'll read this to you. You don't have to look, but if you want to, Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it says, um, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. Okay, so this, you know, included Judas. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Okay, this is Luke chapter 8. Listen, this is Mary, called Magdalene, okay, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, okay, the wife of Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. So Joanna was married to a pretty powerful person. He was the manager of Herod's household. And then, um, and then uh, the man, Susanna, okay, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. If you ever wonder, you know, how was it that, that Jesus and his his um, closest followers could be wandering around and where, where do they get you know, money for food or how do they support themselves? Well, part of the support was coming from these wealthy women. And these were part of, of Jesus' group that traveled around with them. And here they are again, the first people to talk, to proclaim the good news, the gospel. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, who told this to the apostles. But guess what? They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. You see, again, they were completely uh, expecting that Jesus would just stay dead. And so when, when women of all people come and tell them, no, 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 he's, gone. he's not there. He's risen. Remember those times in Galilee when he told us these things? Well, it happened. He is alive. And so they didn't believe them right? because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now, Okay, I'll just keep reading. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. It, wouldn't this be, just pause for a second. This has got to be so frustrating, you know, for the women, right? They're like, Peter has to go and look for himself. Like, you know, I mean, I already told you, we've already been there. Like, sure, don't believe me. You know, don't believe us. Go look for yourself. But like, it's frustrating, right? When, when you tell someone something and like, they don't believe you because they have to look it up for their own or they have to uh, go check it out for themselves. Okay, then I'll believe you. But did you ever in, in that situation? You know, I don't know if you're, if you're married, uh, maybe this happens, or if you have a good friend or you say thing, you tell them something and then, then they don't really believe you until they hear it from someone else. Like, oh, sure, don't believe me, but you know, when your sister tells you, you know, you'll believe her then. Or, or they have to go look it up on the internet. It's frustrating, right? So I can, 
I can imagine how the woman must have felt. Like, we were there. I've already told you. He's not there. But Peter, however, he didn't believe them. He had to go check it out for himself. He got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And then he went away. And again, look at He's like, he's wondering to himself, what happened? What happened? I mean, well, duh. We know what happened. Jesus is alive. He came back to life. But those people in that story, if we could enter in and kind of imagine what it might, might be like for them, they're like, uh, I don't, it doesn't, what? He was here. We wrapped him up. He was buried. There's this big stone put in front of this grave and soldiers guarding it. And now, and now he's gone. What does that mean? Well, for us, it's obvious, right? Jesus is alive. He came back to life. It was a miracle. But for them, they never expected this to happen. That was Luke chapter 24. There's many other stories uh, that you can read about. But this, this tells us a lot, I think. Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, it changes our world. It changes our lives. You can choose to believe that he's dead and that he never came back to life. Everyone is free. And, and I'm okay if you believe that. You can choose to believe however you want. But just know that it's a choice. There is no scientific proof. There's no historical proof to prove that Jesus is still dead. And so you're choosing. And I just want you to understand that it's a choice that you're making. And that's fine. But for Christians and for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, this is momentous. This is huge. Jesus Christ came back to life. And because he is alive, because he came back and conquered death, then, then he's got a little bit of you know, authority. I, I think this puts him in a particular spot in our lives. I mean, he is the Lord. He is reigning right now on high. And, and because he has done this, he's got a little bit of authority, I think. Don't you? You know, if, if someone were to come and teach us how to uh, you know, take a wrist shot, or something, and if that person's name was Patrick Lining, we'd be like, okay, he, he, he's good, he's one of the best, so I'm gonna listen to, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna listen to someone else. If someone has that sort of authority, right? So Jesus has authority over death. He's got the authority over all of life, and so when he speaks, we need to listen. And when he says things, we're like, I mean, until you die and come back to life, then I think we need to listen what Jesus has to say. And so uh, for, for some of us, um, I've heard uh, some people these days, they love Jesus, but they don't like the Bible. You know, like Jesus, I like, but this, I'm not sure what to do with it. But you know, you, you can't really choose the Bible or Jesus because if you're following Jesus, remember he's got the authority, like he loved the Bible. He was always quoting scripture. He had a lot of it memorized from when he was a young child going through the, the, the training. And, uh, and he would often refer to scriptures and quote the scriptures. And he never said, you know, I came to abolish these things. He said, I came to fulfill them. And so we can't separate God's word. We can't separate the Bible from Jesus. But some people, I've heard that, you know, kind of these days. I love Jesus, but the Bible, you know, I could do without. But you can't really do that. Jesus' resurrection does not really give us that option. And so that's an example. Another, another thing sometimes I hear uh, people are, um, 
they love Jesus, right? But they don't really think it's necessary to be baptized. You know, for example, I, I can keep doing, you know, whatever I want to do, but, but baptism isn't really necessary, you know? But you see, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus commanded his, his, his people to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself was even baptized by John the Baptist. And so this is just another example where we see that the death and resurrection and of Jesus, he, he gives us, he's got the authority. And when he says things, we need to listen. And so those are some examples. I also think of uh, this time with, in the midst of this worldwide pandemic, and I picture Jesus uh, when he's in that boat and there's that huge storm coming up and everyone's so afraid. And it's almost like they're angry at Jesus. Like, Jesus, what? You're sleeping? Like, come on, we're, we're going to die here. And they were so frightened and afraid. And then Jesus just calms the storm and everything is perfectly fine. I mean, that's the kind of Jesus we worship. He came back to life and he can do these kinds of things. And so I want to talk a little bit more about Jesus in the boat. Uh, during that storm, during the, uh, the devotional Wednesday at 9.45, if you want to tune in or just uh, to Facebook Live or it's recorded, you can check that out later. But um, Jesus' death and resurrection is essential. It gives us uh, the ability to see that Jesus has authority. And so, you know, some of you may have uh, had faith when you were younger and maybe things have happened or, or you've, you've lost that faith and you just don't really... Maybe you're one of those people that don't understand how the Bible and Jesus can even go together. So I want to encourage you to just start with Jesus. Look at his, the stories around his death and, and his resurrection and allow him to have the authority that he so deserves in your life. And when he says things, let's listen. Even if we don't really understand, because if we have to wait till we understand something, then it's going to take a long time. And maybe we will never understand everything, but Jesus is God. He came back to life and let him speak. Let his words just be his words. Let his authority be his authority. And, and I guarantee it will change your life. For each and every one of us, even those of us who are believers already, it will continue to change your life as we let his words and his authority take control over us. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Let him into your life. Hey, let me just pray as I close, and then, um, and then we'll have a song, and I encourage you to sing along. The song will be kind of a benediction uh, for you. And then we'll open up the virtual lobby, and we would love to see your faces. And, you know, if you're too shy, you don't want to show your face, that's fine too. Uh, someone who meets with us every, every lobby time, she shows us the ceiling in her room. But that's okay, we can hear her voice. And uh, you know who you are. And we love you anyways, but just, we encourage you, even if you're visiting, if you're not one of us cornerstoners, this is okay, this is open for everyone. Just click on the link and, and let's just say hi and let's just talk for a little bit before we get on with our day. So that link will be in the notes afterwards. Let me pray uh, for you now. Heavenly Father, um, you are such a good God. You are gracious, compassionate, loving. And Jesus, you are all of those things as well. You are God, and we proclaim that today. And I ask that you would, um, just in your gentle way, not give up on us, keep welcoming us and keep prodding us and, and letting us know that you're there waiting for us with open arms. Break down any barriers, break down the idols in our lives, break down our stubbornness so that we can receive you completely 
and follow you 100%. Help us to just fall into your arms and to trust you completely. And Jesus, you, one of the things you said is you can forgive sins. We believe you because you came back to life. And so forgive our sins. Give us the courage to just confess those to you and let you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come and fill our homes, fill our families, and fill this community with your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.